The content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan. And we are Function Junction. Behavior matters. Behavior really matters. And I understand you have something to share with us that is a pretty serious issue sometimes. So it's kind of a bittersweet story. Um, it was sad moments, and now there are happy moments. Um, and I've talked about this teacher before, Lindsay. She's a trained ballerina, and she had a kiddo who we would teach, and she was teaching him to ask for a break. And remember, he was the one who would poop in his hand and offer it to her and all that. Well, before she got that young man, um, there was a kiddo named Nathan on that campus, and Lindsay was not the teacher at the time. She was the resource teacher. And Nathan is this beautiful, dark-haired, big blue eyes, young man now because he's in high school if he hasn't already aged out. And um, But this was when he was in about third grade. And he had a teacher who, you know, I would go by and kind of check on her. And, you know, she was the teacher with the black on the window so you could never see in the classroom. And, you know, the door would be locked and I'd knock on the door and say, how are your things going? Do you know, do you need anything? Oh, no, I'm good. No, oh, no, I know ABA. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. And then, you know, never really had said she had any problems. Well, Nathan um, had some pretty significant behaviors. He spit, he pinched, he smeared his feces, he bit his hand. Um, And like I said, you know, whenever I'd go by the classroom, she would say, you know, we're good. Well, I got a phone call to attend a meeting with the principal that said that the paraprofessional went to the principal crying because of what was happening in the in the classroom and evidently according to her when Nathan would spit or pinch the teacher would also spit and pinch on Nathan so she was removed by two police officers that day um I don't know if charges were pressed against her this was a long time ago but I do know that she'll never ever teach again and you know the principal was in tears I was in tears we were all in tears because imagine being the person to have to make that phone call home mom and dad and you know it was awful it was it was terrible so Lindsay was the resource teacher on that campus and she begged the principal to be able to take over and so she did and she was amazing and so Cheryl and I who was like the autism specialist went in and you know did some functional behavior assessment you know we kind of just it was quick and more informal than formal which I know there is no such thing but we really just needed to get some interventions in place quick And so we knew that the spitting was for attention and it was very clear, you know, he would do it and he would laugh at you or or smile or, you know, giggle or whatever. And so we decided to do a few things. One was the pinching was a CPI grab release, um, flatten the pinch out and tell him gentle hands for the spitting. We put it on social extinction and we would literally turn away for 10 seconds again because the function was attention for the spitting. So um, we decided to put it on social extinction and basically turn away for 10 seconds and not give him any attention. And we had a staffing and the speech language pathologist was very honest. And she said, you guys, I'm a germaphobe. I've got three. And this is pre-COVID, right? And she said, I've got three kids at home. I, I, I am not going to be able to ignore the spitting. There's just no way. And we honored that and respected that. And we got a different speech pathologist on the case because she was honest. And, you know, of course, we're going to honor that. So we got another speech pathologist. She was okay with it. So for the smearing, um, what was happening with that is that Nathan was holding it until it would leak. 
So we got permission from the parents to use like mechanic coveralls and um, put them in the back, zip it or button it up the back. And he would get into them willingly. Um, when that happened, we would take him back to the bathroom and give him a hand, a, you know, a wipe and wash his hands. And he got to the point where he started requesting the wipes because he really did not want that on him. It's good that he didn't want that on him. Yeah, it is good. He was just doing it in a maladaptive way and we taught him an adaptive way and it was fine. And then for the hand biting, we did a combination of blocking and, and replacement of working hands and the results were great. You know, improvement in spitting, pitching and smearing, the hand biting did improve. We had wanted to get a reduction of uh, 90%. We got a reduction of 50%. Um, we did not want to put hand biting on extinction, one, because it wasn't driven by attention, but also because we know that a lot of times when you put certain behaviors on an extinction, more incompatible or inappropriate behavior surface. So uh, Lindsay was great. She took data and he was just doing so much better. And, you know, there were a couple of blips in the data. There were some um, leaving area increased. And when I spoke to her about that, she said that was because he had been so um, in a three-sided works area, you know, pretty much one-on-one -on -one, and she wanted him to be a part of the group. And so she let him be part of the group. And of course, leaving the area and increased because he wanted to be part of the group too. Lindsay was going to school at the time and she had to conduct a functional analysis. And it was really hard, Sissy, because, you know, there are some standards or used to be at least some standards are more flexible now, but at the time, you know, you were supposed to keep the kiddo in the alone condition, you know, and all the other conditions for at least 10 minutes. And we had to stop um, during the alone condition because he was climbing on tables. He was turning lights off and on. He was eating the picture symbols, but he was trying to get her attention some way and she couldn't give it. And so yeah. it was awful. It was heartbreaking. And so we moved to another room and during the demand condition, there was no self-injurious behaviors but we got a lot of hits and splashing water and climbing. So that was kind of interesting. And like I said, it was it was hard to do, but we, we had to stop some of those conditions early because the old behaviors that were coming back. When he went to middle school, a new behavior surfaced and it was urinating on the floor and it occurred in PE really more than anywhere else. And it was really clear that escape was the function. He did not want to be in that gym. And so we had to leave though, because it was a health and hygiene issue. You know, he just urinated on himself and on the floor. So and he was not in the coveralls at the time. So we got to go clean it up. Well, that of course could reinforce his behavior, but we made sure the cleanup process wasn't super fun. You know, he had to clean it up. He had to wash his clothes, dry his clothes and all of that. And, and that really helped. And that decreased the behavior to zero rates. So I just wanted to, I was thinking about that story because I was telling teachers about it the other day and I thought, you know, there's a really lot of things that could come up in terms of test questions, topics, subjects, things like that. Yeah. Well, before we go on, that's a fantastic story because we do have children who engage in aggressive behaviors, who engage in self-injurious behavior. Um, I am going to back up just a little bit to the functional analysis piece. So if you're not a behavior analyst yes. or not studying to be a behavior analyst, you might be thinking, what in the world is she talking about? Yeah. We talk all the time about looking for the function of the behavior, and that's what a functional analysis does if you do the pure functional analysis. And you basically are putting a student in a situation where there is really only one option looking for that function. Is it to get to attention? Is it to get to an item? Is it a self-stimulatory 
um, or is it escape? And so you set up the circumstance. And as Susan said, you, 10 minutes is a long time. The ethical thing to do would be abandon that setting um, if the child is engaging in dangerous behavior. You're not going to allow them to hurt yeah. themselves. Yeah. And it was a long time ago. And so, you know, the more current research on those um, look at, you know, a different, uh, more flexibility. But at that time, you know, she was going to a pretty pure ABA graduate program and they they really, you know, encouraged it. So, but it was cool. You know, it was it was good. It was, it lended itself to good information. Thanks for that clarification. Sure, sure. Um, and so we do have a question that I think is going to lead us to some discussion that will be kind of important, don't you think? I do think it's important. So when considering an approach for reducing self-injurious behavior, it's important to consider, A, the function of the SIB or the self-injurious behavior, B, whether all caregivers can implement the intervention, C, whether there is an underlying medical reason for the behavior. D, the consequences of not treating the behavior. And E, are caregivers prepared for an escalation at the onset of the intervention? Or F, all of the above. So we absolutely know, based on the title of our podcast, that A must be true, the function of the self-injurious behavior. Your best bet is when you know why. Why are they engaging in this? Great. Let me teach them a better way, a safer way to get to what they want. Sure. And B, whether all caregivers can implement the intervention, you just hinted at that with replacement of the speech pathologist who said, I cannot ignore the spitting. You know, you could, I think we've mentioned before, people did crazy things like spray vinegar in a kid's mouth for, you know, saying. We don't do anymore. That's illegal. We absolutely don't. don't. It'll be on the news. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, even if you were, that to me would be, I was teaching at a time when they wanted us to spray pickle juice in a kid's mouth uh, for, I think it was for spitting behavior. Yeah. Now I couldn't do that. And that to me falls in the, whether all caregivers can do it, Absolutely. you know, or if it is, it could be a very big person, a very big person that you're working with who is biting themselves and you're wanting to block them from biting themselves. Well, Maybe mom is a lot smaller or maybe grandma is a lot smaller and is not going to be able to do that, but she's responsible for a big part of his day. Well, again, that approach is not going to be feasible, right? And that's exactly right. And Nathan was funny. You know, his his spinning had gone down to basically zero rates. And one day there was a paraprofessional and she was leaving that semester and you could tell she was tired and she just kind of stopped doing things with fidelity. And one day they were out at the playground. And he was up on, you know, a, a structure and he spit on her and she looked at him and goes, ooh, gross. And he called her an a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> there you so go. it was very clearly for attention. But anyway. Yeah. Um, also, whether there's an underlying medical reason for the behavior, I have known children who might slap the side of their face because yeah. they had a headache. Oh, yeah. Because they had a toothache. Sure. But they don't have the verbal ability say my head hurts my tooth hurts and um so we could work on stopping the slapping but if we didn't check out those things we we you know there might be a much easier way oh absolutely you have to rule out medical yeah and then the consequences of not treating the behavior you and I also both know kids who engage in self-injurious behavior that damage tissue or you know, if a child is banging their head, it could detach their retina. 
um, yeah. and they won't be able to see. So you, you do as you're, you know, you're thinking, I don't necessarily want to do this blocking or whatever it is, doesn't seem palatable to you until you think about the consequence of not intervention in place. Remember the story I told about the teacher who wanted to cut the student's hair. He had a long braid. He he was one. He didn't ever, ever had banged at school, but he did at home and he did detach one of his retinas. Yeah. Poor guy. So, you know, that's that thing that you have to think. I, I really, I don't like having to intervene over this behavior, but if I don't, bad things can happen. So I'm yeah, absolutely. Um, and are caregivers prepared for an escalation at the onset of the intervention? Certainly, if it is social extinction, you are definitely going to see a, a, an increase. But also, kids are wanting to see, does this work? Does this not work? Right. And so whatever the behavior is, is likely to bump up. We'll see an escalation in behavior, whether it's for social extinction or or some other intervention, because the behavior has been reinforced. Absolutely. Or in another way, the behavior has been working well for them. Yes. And yes. so when it stops working well, they think they have to do it bigger, louder, whatever, because you're not hearing them, putting that yes. in air quotes. Um, until they realize that it's not going to work as well as this replacement that we're teaching them. Um, So we have to be prepared for that. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. So I guess the answer has to be then. All of the above. F, all of the above. And really, whether you're a behavior analyst or a mom or dad or sister or brother or babysitter, Um, you can think about that kind of thing when you're trying to change someone's behavior is what is the function? Am I going to be able to stick to the plan? You know, um, what's the consequence if I don't? If kids are cussing, the consequence of us not intervening is eh, they might not get a job. (laughs) Or they might get in a fight. Or they might get in a fight. But when you're talking about self-injurious behaviors, if I don't intervene, then what? have to. Yeah. Well, friends, we hope you liked that story. It was short and sweet. As always, um, please like, subscribe, share, or comment on social media and or rate and review us on the podcast app that you're using. And be sure to tune in next week for a two-part interview with a principal who's doing phenomenal things for kids and, and teachers. I said that last time, and I forgot that we had this episode. So really, <laughs> next week, it'll be there. Yes. Come back next week. You'll love it. Yes. Bye, everybody. Have a good weekend. Bye.